Can um, can you give me uh, give me about twenty minutes, half hour max, just to share on the revelation gifts, and I'll, I'll tight this, put this one really the reins in, and then uh, and we'll step out here in the prophetic and, and the words of knowledge, etc. Okay, the word of knowledge, um, the word of knowledge. Must say first of all, it is a word of knowledge. It's not a paragraph. <laughs> it is a word of knowledge, and uh, some of us, I think, we want to have all the detail before we'll step out. And that's not the way God works. God gives us a word, and if we act on the word, he gives us the sentence. If we act on the sentence, he gives us the paragraph. And uh, sometimes he'll give you the whole chapter if you hang around. But, but, you know, you have to be willing to step out by faith on the first word. Uh, and very often, again, that comes as an impression, as a word, as a picture. Um, sometimes as a feeling. When it comes to physical healing, sometimes it comes as a, a sensation in your body that corresponds with where the condition is in the, other, in the person who has it. Uh, the problem. Sometimes some people actually even feel the pain or the condition in their own body, and then when they give the word out, the pain goes. I'm so glad I don't get words of knowledge that way. But some people seem to get words that way. Um, I'm thankful I'm not one of them. I, uh, you know. But it's interesting that when the writer to the Hebrews writes in Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 14, he talks about the training of our senses. The training of our senses spiritual senses. You and I have got spiritual senses. And even our physical senses were created that, that they would know the presence of God. Have you ever walked into a meeting where the presence of God is strong and almost like your hair stands up on end? You know? How is the physical responding to something spiritual? Well, we were created that way. We were created that way. Amen. And, uh, and so we need to learn to to learn to respond to the Spirit's prompting. And the Holy Spirit, often for me, I'm in a meeting and I turn my attention to the Lord to reach out for some words of knowledge and I start to sense different, around different parts of the body, you know, and, and, and then impressions come with it and pictures come with it. And, uh, and then when you speak out, then that releases faith and people respond and then the healing comes. And sometimes when laying hands on people, very often when you're in the Spirit, because the laying on of hands is for impartation, very often when you lay hands on people under the anointing, you'll know things about people that you wouldn't know otherwise. And it just happens that way. Um, and sometimes I'm praying for somebody for healing for one area, but when I lay hands on them, I know something else going on in their body. And so I said, oh, do you have a problem with this, by the way? And I said, oh, yeah, well, the Lord's touching that right now. You know, it's, uh, and, and it's wonderful how Jesus does that, isn't it? Um, and so these are... Whole variety. The word of knowledge is not a paragraph of knowledge, but a word of knowledge. Um, there is a need for faith, therefore, because we've got to step out on the first impression or the first word he gives us. And very often the Lord doesn't give you much more until you're willing to step out on the first thing. Uh, you know, I think we have to get used to this fact that God has called us to be disciples of Jesus, uh, that not just converts. You have to be a convert before you're a disciple. Amen. I don't ascribe to what you hear commonly, which is a half-truth that God uh, has called us to make disciples, not converts. That's a lie. He called us to make converts that become disciples. And the reason why I say that, why I say it's a lie, because a half-truth is a whole lie. And the point about it is that, is that actually uh, the reason why it gets my goat so much, as you can tell, is basically because of this fact that there are so many people who fail, and churches fail to get on, on fire for God in evangelism because they feel that, no, we need the slow process of discipleship, you know, and we need to make sure we've got enough follow-up systems and all that kind of stuff. And yet there are some of our kids that are going out for a party at night, getting a drink spiked and being found dead in a, in a gutter the next day. And we're all wondering about our discipleship programs whether it's the right one or the right structure, all that kind of stuff. And folks, we need to win souls and then disciple them. Amen. And in the end, it's not the structure that disciples them anyway. It's you. And the best discipleship is relational. Anyway, there we are. Let me move on. I'll be in the bonnet. Here we are. So, you know, God wants us to, uh, to be discipled and to grow in this whole area of moving with the Holy Spirit. And uh, 
The word of knowledge reveals details, past, present, or future, concerning people, places, events, conditions. It's especially effective in three major areas. Number one, in evangelism. It's very effective in evangelism. I'm going to just have to give you references here. But John chapter 4, we know it well, the woman at the well, and how Jesus says, go and call your husband. Actually, the way that he handles the word of knowledge is important for us to, un- to learn that, the art of that in evangelism. He doesn't begin by saying, you've had five husbands and the one you now have isn't your husband. He, you know, he just says to her, go call your husband. And then when she says, uh, I don't have a husband, it's at that point he then becomes a little bit more searingly accurate and just says to her, actually what you said is true because you've had five husbands and the one you now have isn't your husband. And that you spoke truly. So, but it's very effective how Jesus uses the word of knowledge to get right into her heart. And we find very often, I, I find that in, in evangelism, it's important not only to preach the gospel, but in personal evangelism, it's important to listen to God. Listen to the person, listen to their heart, listen to God at the same time as they're talking. Because the Holy Spirit will lead you in your conversation. He will show you how to, you know, how to speak and what to say to them, where their particular needs are. And very often, the word of knowledge will go behind all of the barriers that people put up to the gospel. Uh, there are so often just things to kind of put you off the scent, you know. But when you bring the word of knowledge, it goes straight to the heart. Amen. Very powerful. I've had some wonderful times, um, you know, just stepping out in evangelism in, in the word of knowledge. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great time um, in, in Derby just a couple of years ago, just as by means of illustration. And um, I arrived on the Friday night, and they said to me, um, I said to the pastor, what are we doing tonight? He just said to me, um, uh, well, there's nothing planned for tonight, John. So um, I, I said, oh, right. So he said, but what is going on? It was in the summer, and they said the local churches have bought a bus, and they use it on the local recreation ground as a, as a way of reaching out to the young people and get them off safely off the streets and everything. And tonight they've got a barbecue, giving away free burgers and Cokes and everything, and there should be some kids up there. So maybe you ought to go up and see. Maybe God will do something with you. So I said, uh, yeah, all right. So I went up there. I had these young guys with me in the early 20s, and they always look, they look to me as the expert, you see. And if there's one thing I've learned through the years, no, don't ever be an expert. <laughs> you know, just, just um, I like Derek Prince's definition of, a, of an expert. He says, a man with a briefcase many miles away from home. You know? but, but the fact about it is, for me, you know, it's always best just to stay dependent. Stay dependent on the Lord. And uh, so, um, anyway, we sat in the car, we drove up, and we came opposite where the bus was and the barbecue was going. And I looked over and I saw all these kids and I suddenly felt my age. Now, I'm not old, I'm 46. But the truth is that, um, you know, there's big gaps in the generations today. And uh, anyway, so I looked over at these teenagers. Most of them, I thought, hmm, how are we going to reach these kids, you know? And uh, so the other two guys in the early 20s, I said, right, John, what's the plan? <laughs> I said, I wish I knew. Um, yeah, I said, look, all I do is I, I just feel like preaching. I said, preaching? I said, yeah, I just feel like preaching. I don't know how it's going to happen. I said, but I'm just, I just feel like preaching. Why don't we just commit it to the Lord? And I've learned this as a key over the years in evangelism. I said, you know, let's pray and ask God to open a door of grace, and then we'll go in faith and just trust him to do what he does. All right? So I said, okay. So we just prayed and asked the Lord to do that. Then we just locked up and walked over. Well, I saw a guitar sitting there. Now, I used to be Don Double's worship leader, and I, I used to do gospel songs. And, you know, I, I could play all of Don Francisco's songs and all of Keith Green's songs. And, you know, they're telling my age now. And, you know, and, and really, they were just fantastic songs, you know, for outreach. But most of them are kind of country and western, and, you know, they just don't reach the kids of today, you know, particularly. And so I picked up the guitar, and I started to do one of these Don Francisco songs, and my goodness, they were avoiding me like the plague. And, and, and I thought, probably a good idea to put the guitar down. So I, so I thought, I'll just put that down and, um, and I'll go and have a burger myself. So I went to pick up a burger. And as I did, the guy who was flipping the burgers is in his 50s. And he just says, hey, John, last time you came up here, he said, you know, I was an atheist. And uh, he said, but um, my wife, you know, she... She, um, she got onto me so bad about coming to your meeting that in the end I thought just to get her off my back, I'd come to one meeting. So I came to the meeting and I remembered something. I remembered the church. It was a big old church with huge big marble pillars. And he sat behind the biggest one. You know. <laughs> and, um, and he said, but I've suffered with asthma for years. I was on the puffer, he said, several times a day. And, 
He said, I was standing by that, and you were in the middle of preaching. You suddenly stopped and said, there's a man somewhere over there behind that, um, that pillar, and you're suffering with asthma. Jesus wants to heal you. Where are you? And he said, at that moment, my wife gave me such a dig in the ribs. I yelped. And he said, and suddenly everybody knew it was me. I had to go forward. So he said, I went forward, and you laid hands on me, and I felt a sensation of heat go through my lungs. I've been totally healed ever since. He said, I had no choice. I had to give my life to Christ. So I said, I got saved. Best decision ever made in my life. I said, what a testimony. I said, look, you ready? I'll introduce you and you can share it. He said, what, to these kids? I said, absolutely. He said, oh, all right, why not? So I said, okay. So at that moment, I just clapped to all the kids. I said, hey, guys, gather around. Who wants to hear a bona fide testimony, a 21st century miracle? Come on, come and hear it. Like this. Well, anyway, the kids all started to you know, run forward and go, yeah, man, whoa, cool, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I'm going, yeah, 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 sure, absolutely. And um, anyway, they all gather around and... Um, well, anyway, he tells them the story. But while he's doing that, gives me time to look into the crowd. I said, Lord, give me a word. So while he's sharing his testimony, I suddenly see a girl. And this is the way it operates very often in evangelism. I looked at her and like a flash, like an x-ray, very quickly, there and gone in a few moments, I saw the top of her spine and I saw that it was twisted. And it was gone. So anyway, the moment he finishes, I just said to everyone, come on, let's give him a clap. Isn't that fantastic? So they all do that. I said, now, before you all go, I said, I just want to say that the Jesus who healed this guy, that actually he's here right now, and he wants to do miracles here. I mean, I said, for example, this young lady over here, she said, she's not me. I said, yeah, that's right, just you. I said, tell me about your neck. You got problems with your neck, kind of twisted, that kind of stuff? And she said, oh, freaky. <laughs> so I said, well, no, not particularly. But, yeah. So she said, uh, how do you know that? She said, uh, I said, uh, oh, well, I don't actually, but Jesus does, and he loves you. He'd love to heal you. I said, uh, would you like me to pray for you for a few moments? She said, would you? I said, I'd be absolutely delighted. She said, my mum's got it too. It's in the family. You know, just, and so I said, look, well, why, we can pray from a distance for your mum as well. How about it now? So why don't you all gather around? Let's see what Jesus will do for your friend. Well, I put my hand on her neck. Well, in front of 60 kids, you know, the neck just suddenly went straight in front of everybody. You could hear a drop. And all these kids just sitting there. So I just turned around to them and said, look what Jesus has just done for your friend. I can tell you now that he loves her and he loves you. And he died on a cross and I just preached the gospel, you know, for a few minutes. And I said, who wants the Jesus who just healed your, your friend? Who wants a new beginning? Who wants your sins forgiven and to be saved? To know God and to be assured of heaven? Well, 45 hands went up, you know. And suddenly, these local people, wonderful local people who had given up every Friday night to get out there and be there for these kids, were down on them like a swarm of bees, you know, just loving them and praying with them, and lots of tears and other healings that happen with the kids. It's wonderful. Is it always like that? No. I wish it was. <laughs> but the fact, of course, we all share our glory stories. But nonetheless, the fact is, I would say for me, six, seven times out of ten, when I go out doing evangelism in the streets and stuff, we get words of knowledge and healings and people saved on the streets and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's a big harvest out there. And words of knowledge are very powerful where healing is concerned. It really is. It's really doing what you see the Father doing. That's how Jesus ministered. And we have to face the fact that 99% of all Jesus' miracles were instant. Now, I believe in standing on the word. I believe in recovery. I believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross and by his wounds we're healed and learning to stand on the word and confess it and all of that. But we have to face the fact that, you know, the greater bulk of Jesus' healings were all instant, almost all instantaneous. So what is the key here in this ministry of, of healing? Well, so much of it is that he was constantly ministering from a place of relationship with his Father by the Holy Spirit. And he was doing what he saw the Father doing. And that's what the word of knowledge is all about. It's seeing what the Father is doing and moving with him. That's something we have to learn. It's something we have to develop. To learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in life and in ministry. Amen? In life and in church. So it's very powerful. It's powerful in evangelism. It's powerful in cleaning up the church. We talked about that in the last session. So I'm not going to go into any more detail. We know Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. And we have other uh, occasions and, uh, in Scripture. But cleaning up the church. Healing. Very powerful in healing. Uh, as we've mentioned already. How it releases faith and gifts of healings. Um, very powerful. Must learn to be spiritually minded, not naturally minded. The natural mind, the scripture says, is in opposition 
to the things of the Holy Spirit. It considers the things of the Spirit to be foolishness. So it's vital to be spiritually minded. I, you know, it, it, it's upsetting to be amongst church leaders, and, and I can see you don't have them here like this, but I sometimes go around some very successful churches, you know, where some leaders who have got, you know, quite high profile and stuff, but will, will jest about the gifts of the Spirit, jest about being super spiritual, and all this kind of, and I think, I was like, goodness me, you really, you know, if I saw more miracles in your ministry, you'd have a voice to speak to me, but you don't, not in that area, because you've lost respect in that area. Because really, if that, if really, you know, you're going to make a mockery of those people over there who seem to be super spiritual, well, will you show me the real thing through your ministry then? So at least if you've got something, I mean, I get amongst churches who are so concerned, want to be all seeker friendly and really concerned about, you know, making sure that we're careful about the, the way the gifts of the Spirit operate. We don't want to put anybody off for that kind of thing. And then some of those churches, I want to go to them and they quote 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to say, 1 Corinthians 14 was given as a correction to a church that was overboard. Can I just say for a moment, it would be nice if there was something around here that was worth bringing into order. <laughs> but there's actually nothing in here to correct. <laughs> You're all so stayed. <laughs> I said, what is there to correct anyway? <laughs> you know. How to make yourself popular, lesson number one. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it, it's, it's true. We, we need to get going with the Holy Spirit and not be, not be just naturally minded. We need to be spiritually minded. I know there's ways of doing things. And, and when I pray for people on the streets, I don't put my hand on them and shout in tongues as loud as I can. I, you know, I, I don't do that. No, I don't. I, you know, I pray for them. I ask them for permission if I can press their hand on their shoulder and, and pray for them. I keep my eyes open uh, and I pray and I pray what the Holy Spirit leads me to pray. If I feel there's a demon, I don't address it as a demon. I address the name of whatever it is. I break the occult off this person. I break the, you know, all that, that infirmity, that sickness off this person in the name of Jesus. And the power behind it, I just deal with that now in Jesus' name. And I pray like that. And the enemy knows I'm addressing him, and it works just the same. You know, and there's ways of doing things. But nonetheless, it's particularly in the kind of environment we live in today, culturally, where um, some people would like to take you to prison for saying things like that, so... Anyway, the word of knowledge is very powerful for evangelism, cleaning up the church, and healing. The word of wisdom, again, is an impression, a word, a picture concerning what to do or say in a given situation. It is a portion of God's wisdom. It's the right application of knowledge. And the biggest hindrance to receiving the word of wisdom is an unteachable spirit. It's pride. Proverbs 1, verse 23. So we need to have a teachable heart and be asking the Lord, about the best way of saying something. How do I say that, Lord? What do I do? You know, I, I can remember that um, I, I've led a number of hairdressers to the Lord, you know, when, when they're doing my hair, and, I, and they can't go anywhere, and, um, you know, and, and they're normally very chatty types hairdressers, and so, you know, so I, I share Jesus with them, and, and uh, I get talking to them about miracles and things, and, and give testimonies and whatever. Um, and basically, as I build up a rapport with them at different times I visit them, um, you know, I get to a place then where I put in the appeal, you know. And, uh, and so anyway, there was a particular last uh, when we lived in the South. She, um, you know, she was doing my hair. And every time I'd tell her about a miracle and whatever. And, and then eventually, she, uh, you know, I just got this sense. I'm like, God, now I just need to do this. So I, I just went for the jugular. And I said, come on, it, it's time you gave your life to Jesus. No more messing around the, about this issue. You know, no beating around the bush. You need to give your life to Christ. I've been praying for you and it's, it's time. Come on. So she just broke into tears. She said, I know it. I know I need to get right with God. I said, come on. So she gets saved. Well, the next time she comes along, she gets delivered from a demon at the end. <laughs> and gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in other tongues. Well, it's all great, you know. And um, she starts going to church. She's on fire for the Lord. And it's just, she's reading the Bible like there's no tomorrow. And, and, and it's great. It's wonderful. Healthily born. But um, a couple of years goes by, and we suddenly notice that, you know, we keep phoning her, trying to get in touch with her to see you know, if she'll come and do the family's hair. And, and she used to come around her house to do it. And uh, we couldn't get in touch with her. And we wonder what's going on. So there's something, there's something not right, you know. And uh, anyway, eventually, after about three months of pursuing her, we finally managed to make contact. And she comes around to see us, to do our hair. Now, the moment she walked into the house, I looked at her. And you know how when you look at people, 
And sometimes in the spirit, you can tell whether there's light or whether there's darkness or heaviness that is coming. Well, as she walked into the room, I could just see the heaviness and the darkness on her. So anyway, she comes in and she's super chatty. You know what Proverbs says? It says that where there is much talk, sin is not lacking. And um, so uh, anyway, she comes in and she talks and talks and talks. And I can't get a word in edgeways. Anyway, right at the end of it, I, you know, I'm just turning on my heart saying, Lord, what is going on here you know, in her life? I said, I need to reach her and get her back to you. And then the Lord says, says this to me. Tell me, tell her that I miss her. That's all it was. Just tell her that I miss her. It was a word of wisdom. You know the scripture says that he who insults his wife. So anyway, we get to the end, and, and um, she's finished with my hair. I said, okay, Teresa. I said, well, um, how much do I owe you now? So she tells me, and then so I get the cash out, and as I hand it to her, she reaches out, she takes it, but I'm still holding on the other side. <laughs> and I look at her for a moment, and I said, Teresa, while you were doing my hair, Jesus gave me a word for you. She, and she suddenly let go of them. I said, oh, <laughs> she, oh, that's weird. I said, no, Teresa, you know that's not weird. I said, where are you? And she looked at me for a moment, didn't say anything, said, look, let me just say this to you. So please just tell me. Let's, let's just, just, just tell, what did he say? What did he say? I said, Teresa, he just said he misses you. At that moment, she went, oh. And she just broke into tears, gave her life back to the Lord. And it was all it took just turned around but you know I could have gone for the jugular and she could have put her defenses up and everything else but instead the Lord went right round the side and got straight to her heart and the Lord knows how to give us words of wisdom in all kinds of settings you know and that's just a very simple one in evangelism but there's wisdom for all kinds of settings and thank God that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom wisdom comes from the word of God and by the spirit of God David said, Psalm 190, verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. James 1 said that we can ask for wisdom and receive it. Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember Jesus and the Pharisees? And how they, he said to give me a coin when they asked him, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus knew, you know, what <laughs> the head of the inscription. He says, pay taxes to uh, give to God was due to God, give to Caesar was due to Caesar. It's a key to unlocking confrontational issues, relationships, difficult circumstances, and sometimes a key to healing. Some people want instant healing when actually the Lord wants to speak some wisdom into their life and over the areas of exercise and over the areas of, of uh, their weight and over the areas of what they're eating and, and the time they get to bed at night and all of these kind of stuff. And we're wanting to say, Lord, I said, heal me. You know, I mean, some of it's just daft. I mean, when I first got into the word of faith and that kind of stuff, man, and, and I remember one time I was really tired, I got a bit run down, I, and my mouth was full of ulcers. And, you know, but would I take any vitamin C or get extra rest? No, I'm a man of faith. I, I would get up in the morning, I'd speak to those things in the mirror, I'd say, I'd curse them to their root, I'd come on to die in Jesus' name, and then I'd have my fish and chips with a bit of salt, and I'm not moved by what I feel, <laughs> and I was coming, and then one day as I was doing this in the mirror, the Holy Spirit said to me, vitamin C, vitamin C, you need vitamin C, I said, thank you Lord, I don't need anything natural in the name of Jesus, the fact that God made it, you know, <laughs> you know and I carry on like this, now, now maybe you weren't as hard-headed as I was back then, but I finally succumbed and I, I took two vitamin C tablets and had a couple of oranges before going to bed. Strangely enough, when I woke up the next morning, there were no more ulcers. <laughs> I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. Maybe you don't need a word of wisdom for that kind of stuff. But some of us do. And we go around the same circles of getting sick, getting prayed for, getting healed, getting sick, getting prayed for, getting healed, getting sick, getting prayed for, getting healed, because God is addressing, trying to get through to us about our lifestyle and some of our choices, and they need to change. Amen. Well, last of all, discerning of spirits. We're almost there. Well, guys, it's great, and we're almost within a half hour, just by a couple of minutes. It's great. Discerning of spirits, let me just say it very quickly. Discerning of spirits is not just discerning of demon spirits. Discerning of spirits is discernment into the realm of spirits. And so you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. 
So we are spirit, soul, and body. God is spirit, Jesus said. John 4, 20 to 22. God is spirit. Those who worship us worship in spirit and in truth. Angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. And so discerning of spirits operates in that realm where God opens your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to discern and to know what is the source, what is the spirit behind something, what are you dealing with. And so we find it in Acts 16 where demons are concerned, where you know the woman who follows Paul and Silas as they're going along and she keeps saying, these are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Great advertising, but the spirit was wrong. The words were right, but the spirit was wrong. And after a number of days, Paul finally turned around and speaks to the spirit in the girl and commands it to come out of her. And then the ability for her to tell fortunes is gone. Amen. I can remember standing in an Anglican church in Bristol. And uh, as I stood up, I suddenly saw up by the altar. I, I wasn't leading the meeting. I, I was just, we were just finishing the time of worship. And I turned and I looked. And I saw with my physical eyes a seven-foot-tall black cape figure standing over by the old stone altar over there. And I suddenly, the word Freemasonry flashed across my mind. So I took authority over it and bound it in Jesus' name and it disappeared. Well, then at the end, some of the band came up to me and said, hey, John, look, come and have a look at this. And they took me over to it. I hadn't told them a thing of what I saw. And I went right over to, they took me right over to that side of the altar where exactly where I saw this black standing figure. And right there embossed in brass was the Freemasonry insignia. Very interesting. Because the scripture says that in Psalm 115, verse 16, that the heavens, even the heaven of heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. And so God's given authority to man in terms of stewardship over the earth. And wherever we worship God, it invites his presence. But wherever people walk in sin and in rebellion to God, then it invites the demonic. And so it's very important what we do in our lives. Amen. It's amazing when you go out in the streets how many people come up and say, we've got something, a poltergeist or something in our home. Would you, you know, do you pray to get rid of those kind of things? I said, yes, absolutely. But you know, you need to get right with God in order to keep it out. <laughs> we'll gladly come and, and get rid of it for you in the name of Jesus, but you need to get saved as well. Fill your house with light. Amen. Well, so there's discerning of spirits into that realm. There is discerning of spirits into the human spirit knowing what's in somebody's heart over something. And that's, very, that's, again, very important. My wife operates in the discerning of spirits a lot. She's very... Um, I, I think ladies really have an unfair advantage in, in, in this, you know, because they're naturally discerning anyway, you know. And um, so couple that with the Holy Spirit. My goodness, you don't stand a chance, brothers, you know. But, but, um, but really, I, I know my, my wife... Yeah, by nature for me, I do pick things up, but by nature, you know, I'm, um, I give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, most of the time. But my, uh, but my wife, she, um, she tends to give herself more slowly in relationship. She watches for a while. I can't jump in with both feet, you know, and that's what she just says to me. She says, John, watch that one. You know what? I've never known to be wrong. She's always been right. And, um, and sometimes, oh, come on, you know. But she's right. And it's, it's discerning of spirit. She discerns what's in the heart. And that's important. And then, of course, there's the discerning. You know, you're discerning the presence of God. Discerning the presence of God. Prophets are the most sensitive people. Real prophets are the most sensitive in knowing the presence of God. If you want to know how to get the presence of God back in a meeting, you need to ask the prophets. Get the prophet up to come and encourage and stir up and stimulate and yeah they know the presence of God sometimes you see some guys where the presence of God is still lingering and they just walk right over it you know and the spirit is grieved and you're saying oh well, I'm not this. and it's where the program is king instead of the Holy Spirit being Lord in the midst you know the scripture that says where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty it's a mistranslation it actually in Greek it's actually where the spirit is Lord there is liberty that makes a lot more sense doesn't it the fact, because the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere, in the sense that he's omnipresent. And so, but is there liberty everywhere? No. But where the Spirit is Lord, in a gathering, as Jesus is Lord over the church, the Spirit is Lord in and amongst his church, there there is liberty. Amen. Anyway, we've come to the end. Tonight we're going to go for 
the power gifts and gifts of healings, working of miracles and special faith. And it's going to be a healing service, and I'm looking forward to it. But right now, you know when the word is preached in a certain area, the Spirit is there to confirm it in that area. And so, the Lord is, is going to release words. So what I want us to do right now is this, is that we're going to step out. We're going to find, I want you to find somebody else who you don't know too well. All right? You can do this in twos, you can do it in fours. But uh, we're going to do it like that. Find somebody you don't know too well, and you're going to start to pray for them. And we're going to pray in tongues. We're going to ask the Lord for a word, a word of encouragement for that person, okay? So, um, thank you, Lord. I want to say to you, my, my brother, what, what's your name? Eugene. Say that slowly. Eugene. Eugene, okay, fantastic. Where do you come from, Eugene? I'm Russian. You're Russian, fantastic. I love Russians. That's great. You're actually British, okay, just with a little bit of Russian in there as well, all right. Okay, do you, um, do, you do any building? Building. Yeah, you've been involved with building? No, you're not, okay, so it's nothing to do with that. Okay, what I want to say is this though, you are in a stage right now where God is rebuilding your life. And I, I, just, uh, I, I just see that God, I just saw a, a, a building just being built up. And I see that at, at this time in, in your life, God is establishing you. God is establishing your foundations. He's establishing you in your walk with him. And you are to allow him to continue to do that work in you. Where there has been other stuff. I, I saw stuff that, that's to do with years ago in your life where it was almost like a broken down building. And I saw actually that God has been rebuilding your life and reestablishing you. And as he's asking you to permit him to continue to do a work of strengthening and building in your life. Because as he does, he's going to fill the building of your house with his glory. And he's going to use you to bring his saving, delivering power into the lives of, of, of many other people. Particularly those who are in this nation of, uh, you know, uh, from Eastern Europe and such like that. God's going to use you to win them and to disciple them. There's going to be a new fire that's going to come into your heart. You know, the light of God just flood you. And so just allow the Lord to continue to build in your life at this time and strengthen you. Amen? Some of that means that the Lord is, is also going to come along and he's going to put his finger on a few things and he's going to knock out some of the stuff that's from the past and just say to you, I, I don't want that in your life anymore. I don't want you to go back to that thing anymore. And I don't want you to form your identity based on that anymore. You need to see yourself in Christ Jesus because you're a new man in him. Amen? Okay. So you're not under the shadows of the past. You're in a new day. Amen. Does all of that make sense to you and encourage you? It does. Good. Good. All right. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just bless you right now for the release of your spirit in the prophetic. We pray right now, Lord God, that you would release gifts of prophecy amongst us here as your people in Jesus' name and words of knowledge, Lord. In the name of Jesus, please confirm your word now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to do this in two stages. We're, near, we're coming close to our time. We've got about 20 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I want to spend 10 minutes stepping out in the prophetic, equipping that, and then I want 10 minutes where we're going to step out in words of knowledge, all right? So are we ready? Can you all stand up? Go and find somebody you don't know too well, and obviously not your husband, wife, or boyfriend, girlfriend. Find somebody you don't know too well. And you're going to pray for them. I'm going to reach out to the Lord for a word for them, a word of encouragement. Just find somebody. Okay. As soon as you found somebody, then mate, you can do this in groups of four. You can even do it in groups of three if you need to. Just find somebody. Or you can do it in two, however it works for you. But just take some time now to pray for them. Don't ask what you're to pray for. Just start to pray for them. The idea is this. You're asking the Holy Spirit to give you a word of encouragement to that individual. We're not, may I just say, for the sake of safety right now, all right? We're not going to areas of sin right now. We're not going into areas of marriage, all right? We don't, anybody, I don't want anybody saying, well, the Lord's told me to marry you and stuff like that, all right? The, 
you'd be surprised, but it goes on. You know, um, okay, the standard answer to that is, well, he's not told me. Okay, so, but basically, you know, we're not going to those areas. We're not going into geographically moving away from churches and all that kind of stuff. All right, but you're reaching out to the Lord for a word of encouragement for that individual. That's the level primarily you're going for right now, okay? All right, so let's just reach out, let's pray. Start to pray for the individual and ask the Lord to give you a scripture or a picture, a knowing, an impression, a word for that person. Let the Lord move in your heart towards them. And then when you're ready, you're going to have to step out in the first few words. He'll give you the rest as you start to speak, all right? Just go for it. Just start to pray for them. Lord, I pray you just release the prophetic here in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fall. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes it's helpful to think, what would Jesus say to this individual? What would Jesus say to them? Thank you, Lord. You can do it with your eyes open, your eyes closed. Whatever works for you. Sometimes when you start to pray for somebody, you find yourself praying prophetically. Praying according to the heart and the mind of God. It's a good thing. When you pray in tongues, that will come. Pray in tongues, it will come. Thank you.